Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And across from me, sitting there as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. We control the horizontal. We control the vertical too. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, this this podcast is all about control and lack thereof. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Just just control. Uh, we're this, we're normally out of control on this podcast, right? So. The genesis of this comes from a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Josh, and not not our Josh, not Josh Josh Creepy Hands Clark. Um, this is a different Josh. It says, hey, guys, I was just wondering if you could do a podcast explaining Xbox's Project Natal and how it works. Thanks, Josh. So let's start. We're going to actually talk about sort of the future of video game controllers in general. But uh, we could spend a little time talking about Natal. Yeah, um, I thought it would be interesting to discuss, like, it very, very briefly where we've come from. Because, I mean, the very early uh, video game controllers were, I mean. A rock. <laughs> tied to a string attached to a, another rock. Excuse we me. We call uh, that Pong. 
Yeah, really. Now, um, now they were very simple. I mean, yeah. on, on Pong, you had a know, paddle. Like a, a, yeah, a paddle, which is essentially a potentiometer, you know, electronics uh, device that goes, you know, it's a knob that goes left to right and back again. Um, and it's very, you know, very, very, are you sure that's a, that's a paddle or, cause that sounds to me like a, like a dance. I think that's how you did the Tootsie roll left and right and back again. Okay. Stop it. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, th- those, the paddles were, were very early and the joystick, um, you know, it's just a series of basically, a um, a, a series of switches that yeah. are controlled by the position of the joystick, and, right. you know, the early buttons. And those were used in, in arcade games and the early home video games. And you had stuff like, uh, your favorite, the Intellivision. Now for our younger <laughs> listeners, Uh-oh. there used to be these places called arcades <laughs> There are still arcades. Yeah, no, there are arcades, but you know what's disappointing is that when you see arcade now, they're talking about like some sort of like courtyard. It's very few times uh, well, that you'll find a video arcade. Actually, those were around before video arcades. <laughs> what? I thought that they took their name from, are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But well, let um, me see that Wikipedia page. Yeah, oh, I'm just kidding. We do not use Wikipedia no. people. Stop um, that. No, um, no, so, all right, so, yeah, the arcade being a place where you would go and they had lots and lots of video games that you would uh, exchange either quarters or tokens in order to play them. Yeah, and a lot of them, we're talking about very, very simple uh, switches. I mean, you had the um, you had the the paddles that go left and right. You had trackballs, uh, which are essentially, you know, the old roller-style mice turned upside down, where you roll the ball with your hand to control stuff, like right. Marble Madness, for example, if those of you centipede. who are... Centipede. Um, you know, where you control your, the movement of the thing on screen by rolling the ball. Uh, there you were, the push the, button switches. You had the, the bi-directional joysticks, which only right. went left or right. You know. And then you had, uh, the kind where you could do up, down, left and right. And again, the, these were just switches. You would, you would push the joystick in a certain direction that would put pressure on the switch, which would indicate, Hey, this guy wants Mario to climb up the ladder. Yep. Mario so used to up. go up and down ladders a lot. Yes, he did. This was before he had the ability to jump. Leap tall buildings in a single bound. Uh, yeah, go 3D, turn into a paper airplane, that kind of stuff. Yeah, those were the days. Yeah, but no, uh, video game controllers. You know, when they moved into the home, basically used the same kinds of technologies, just the uh, the leaf switches, um, and a lot of them. You know, were were very simple. Even a, a keypad would have a, a membrane over there with the the numbers or whatever else. Yeah, and in uh, television had that. Yeah, and those were you know very very early controllers. Atari trying the. Uh, the ridiculous with the 5200 controller and it's, you know, theoretically 360 degree non-centering joystick, which was a pain in the neck. Oh yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. I never had a 5200, so I never got to experience the joy of the broken joystick. Yeah. It, it, they break very easily. Cause the Atari 2600 joysticks, I mean, you could put those behind a truck back over it and it would still work. Yeah. I mean, not really. I, I'm yeah. being a little, I'm exaggerating <laughs> a touch, but those, they were rugged. Yeah. They, the 2600 joysticks were a lot more. But they were very simple as far as yeah. these things that go, these things go. And I think, um, I think the first game controller that, that was like a real game pad that I remember was from the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. Which just that was had, actually sort of the forerunner of the modern, it modern, had the four direction, modern like a it had few the four direction, ago. direction pad and the two buttons, B and A. Plus, yeah. Plus start and select. Yeah. I mean, there were other controllers that were sort of like that, but they were, they usually had, they were big. And yeah. you didn't, you know, you held them usually sort of vertically, like the ColecoVision, the Intellivision, the Atari joysticks like that. They all, they yeah, were all sort of yeah. vertical. And it this almost one was the first like one you were holding a calculator in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, there were tons and tons, you know, the other Nintendo control pads and then the, uh, the Sega Genesis. And, yep. 
and then Turbo you know, graphics 16. the uh, PlayStation pads, you and know, then, they, but they were all sort of, you know, evolutionary based on that. They were a little more ergonomic, you know, they weren't square and, and candy bar shape anymore. You got to the, uh, the Dreamcast controls that, yeah. uh, that was one of the larger controllers that had the, um, the different analog joysticks as well as the buttons. And then it also had a slot for a memory card. The slot, uh, the memory cards actually had, um, little, uh, displays on them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You could, in some games, actually had mini games that would play out on your controller's little miniature screen, which I thought was kind of innovative and interesting. Now, granted, I got a Dreamcast after the Dreamcast had already gone off the market. I got a used one, and I got a bunch of used games, um, and I even got some old memory cards and stuff. And uh, I was really surprised at how ingenious the Dreamcast system was, and and kind of sad that it never really took off because it was in many ways uh, an equal or superior to the other systems that were on the market at the time. But um, but that controller, you can kind of see similarities between the Dreamcast controller and the Xbox controller. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, for the last couple of generations of game consoles, uh, just about everybody who's brought something to market has a nice, comfortable, ergonomic controller that is that's easy to hold. The buttons Except for are the placed- PlayStation. I hate Dude. that PlayStation controller. I okay. Look, I love the PlayStation system. I love the games. I think they're great. I hate that controller. Okay. It is just too cramped for my hands. Right, yeah, yeah, and and since since we're talking about hate and and controllers and the same thing, I think we should point out we've gotten some some uh, recent comments about uh, about our feeling on video games, and I don't think there's a video game console that uh, I'm mean, speaking for you here that either one of us doesn't like. You know, as a video game console, Not I think we'd like kind of we'd, 3DO. Well, okay, but I mean, <laughs> if you had an opportunity to play one, you would probably take the opportunity to play one. I mean, I would even yeah, play I, the 2600 if I had a chance. Yeah, to do that sure, again. I would take the opportunity to play one because I'm a video game yes. freak. So we do but, not hate any game console no, in particular. No. I mean, there's there's I just always hate that something controller, but and and that's an aspect of the uh, the thing. But I haven't actually uh, you know had a chance to mess with the PlayStation 3 that much. Um, not because I don't like it, but because I just haven't, I haven't had the time. I'm in grad school. Um, so, you know, it, but that's the thing is that these are, are in general fairly comfortable. They're rounded. They have buttons in, in convenient places for the most part. Some of them have lots of buttons. Right. Depending on the games, it might take a little, uh, learning to uh, yeah, figure out some, where some all the us, controls are. Some but, of us old folks will still be spending the time saying, all right, which one allows me to jump? And yeah. meanwhile, you've sniped us 43 times in a row. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we understand. We're not as good as you are. Ha ha. Great. We make more money than you do. (laughs) Possibly not. I know, but I thought, Uh, come on, give me something, man. uh, Come on. All right. All right. So anyway, Veronica Belmont befriended me on Twitter. There. There. Okay. There you go. See, I I don't have that. that, So, so. um, but, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that has come up with the current generation of game consoles is, I mean, much has been made of the Wii. Uh, remote and yes. nunchuck because they're, uh, they, they were the first to market with a wireless controller that can be used, um, you know, because it's got accelerometers and things in it. You can actually use it to make motions like you would if you were actually playing, uh, like a fishing game. You actually act like it's a fishing rod. Right, right. It was, um, it was a, the first really innovative step in video game controls that we have seen in a very long time because everything, up to that point had been an evolution of the basic control system. Yeah, even even the wireless controllers for the older systems were the same controller that didn't have a uh 
a wire leading to the uh, to the actual console. Right, it was the same basic form factor. Yeah, exactly. And so the Wii Mote was the first time in a very long time that we had seen some innovation. Uh, Now Nintendo's actually known for this. They've tried it a few times, not always successfully. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the Power Glove? I do remember the Power Glove. Not the most successful implementation of a video game user interface. Nor the most attractive. Yeah. Hey, man, that thing was pretty. uh, You know what? There are no superlatives I can use that will actually make it into this podcast. They'll all be bleeped out. (laughs) It was it was cool from a from like a a 12 year old's perspective. Oh, yeah. That thing was it was like you're a freaking robot when you put that on. I mean, every kid that I knew wanted one of these things, even the kids who didn't have an NES, a a Super Nintendo system or whatever. Yeah, they wanted one. Yeah, Yeah, I understand. but yeah, as a game controller, cause I actually got to play with one, cause one of my friends got one. Uh-huh. Um, it was, it left a lot to be desired. It just didn't have, you know, you weren't able, you, you thought you were suddenly going to become like super elite with yeah. all these games, cause you'd just be able to point your hand at the screen and make your little guy move around and jump and fire and it would all be at a twitch of a finger. It didn't quite work that way. No. Um, however, it did show that Nintendo was already, even back then, thinking of ways to create new forms of gameplay so that, uh, you know, they could sell more games. I mean, ultimately it means making more money, but it also means not falling into the trap of just doing the same thing over and over and over again. What's something else that Nintendo is often accused of doing because they depend so heavily upon certain franchises like the mm-hmm. Mario franchise or the Metroid franchise. Um, but they also are known for really being innovative when it comes to hardware. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. Wiimote was another step in that where you fi- finally get to a point where this is a system that actually works. Unlike the the Power Glove, this system worked pretty well. You could do lots of neat things with the game. Uh, the biggest problem Nintendo's faced since the introduction of the Wii is a real lack of compelling software. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not that the hardware is is uh, lackluster. It's just that there aren't enough really great games for the Wii to for people to to have their attention be held by this device. I mean, most people will say, I got a Wii, I played the heck out of it for about three months, and then I turned it off and haven't turned it on since. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it seems like, um, well, at it, it, the very first, the, the titles that came with its launch, there were very few that really took advantage of the Wii remote's capabilities, right. I, I think it would be safe to say. I mean, Wii Sports mm-hmm. did definitely do that quite well, a bit. And well, sure, they're, but they're third-party titles. Sure, the third-party title. Well, I mean, when Just, you think about it... They were okay, but they they weren't as advanced as the ones that are currently right. on the market. Well, and that's the danger of creating a really innovative form of gameplay, is that you have to hope that developers can keep up with you and mm-hmm. create content that takes advantage of your new hardware. Um, if you have created a brand new style of gameplay, then that that's a big hurdle. It's not like, oh, we have to learn how to program for this new video card or we have to make sure that the the, the game system sound card um, is supported, that kind of thing. It's we have to figure out how how we want to interpret certain motions and and translate them into game actions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a totally different way of thinking. So it's actually, when you think about it that way, it's a huge challenge from a game developer standpoint. Yeah. So I'm not terribly surprised that the early third-party games uh, did not take advantage of the Wiimote's capabilities to the extent that most of us had hoped. Yeah. And then, of course, um, 
over the the past uh, year, year and a half or so, you know, they've started. They released the uh, add-on, the Wii Motion Plus, which right. plugs into the back of the Wii Remote makes and makes it more it precise. More, more precise. Um, yeah. And that's you know that that'll probably give it a little more life to it. I think the other issue we need to to look at it's not just the the gameplay mm-hmm. for the Wii, but also the target audience because. Right. The Wii really targeted casual gamers in a way that the other game systems don't. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that there aren't casual games on the PS3 or Xbox 360. There yeah, are. There are some. Uh, and not to say that there are no hardcore type games on the Wii because mm-hmm. there are hardcore games as well. It's just that in general, the per- perception is that the Wii was for casual gamers like families. You know, it's the sort of thing that a mom and dad could play with their, their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because of the content, but because the control system was so intuitive that you didn't have to sit down and learn, Oh, wait, I need to do half circle forward BA to pull off that move. Yeah. It was just, you know, you flip your wrist and you push a button and there you go. And, um, the thing about that is that, yeah, these casual games are fun, but it's like a board game. You know, you don't want to play it every day. Yeah. It's not the kind of game that that gets you sitting down in front of the television and playing for hours on end day after day after day like other hardcore games. So ultimately, yeah, you're going to lose interest in these games. It's just that's the way we work. We don't tend to want to play the same sort of casual things uh, for a prolonged period. I mean, we, you might want to go and revisit them now and then, but it's not like, you know, you're not making time to do it all the time. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it sort of depends on, on the gamer, but I think it's the same. I mean, casual games have an appeal in a way that, that the, the hardcore games, uh, don't depend. Sure. It depends on the, obviously it depends on the game. There are a lot of them that have a story that goes along with them. And once you've played through to the end of the story, a lot of people don't go back to the start of the, the story and go again, they go find a new game. Oh yeah, but even and, like um, even like party games, that kind of sure. thing. What I'm thinking, oh, well, yeah, you know, I like mean, everything wears off. Stuff with like little mini games, things like that. Yeah, um, and I mean, it, it's the sort of thing that could definitely still be brought out every now and then whenever you've got friends over. I just don't think that it's the. I mean, we've seen this in sales figures where uh, I, November of 2009 excluded. Uh, the Wii sales started to kind of drop off. Part of that was probably from the recession. Part of that was because back in September we had the Sony announcing the price cuts for the PlayStation and, and Microsoft announcing price cuts mm-hmm. for the Xbox mm-hmm. 360. Uh, and I also think part of it is that, uh, the stores actually have Wii's in stock now as a, a normal thing and the, the, uh, demand has been meeting the well, supply yeah. a little and a lot, bit more. Yeah, there, a there's lot, a little bit of people, A lot of people who wanted a Wii already have one. So yeah. that also helps. Yeah. Um, but, but the point being that that interest in the Wii appears to be waning. It's a Wii yeah. waning and, experience. And Nintendo has admitted that that it, that's going on. That they are selling fewer of the consoles. So. Right. But but, um, but at any rate, the Wii. What it did do is it spurred both Microsoft and Sony. I mean, you could argue that maybe the Wii didn't spur it. Okay. Well, I'm sure the companies would, but they've started to develop their own innovative game controller systems. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, Sony was, I, I know for a fact that Sony was working on, uh, some motion sensitive controllers for the PlayStation for, for a, quite a long time. Yeah. So but I imagine though that that's the kind of, that having the Wii out there and having it be a success is the kind of thing that proves that Yes, people really are interested in having this kind of experience when they play games. Right. You might want to ramp up the research and development on those kind of projects sure. once you see the success of the Wii. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and Sony had some experience with this already because they had their, their iToy stuff, the, uh, the camera based games that, uh, for the PlayStation 2, 
where you would hook up a, a little, it's kind of like a webcam to your PlayStation 2 and you would, you could play games, uh, you would be inserted into the game system. You might see like little bubbles floating around you as you look at the screen mm-hmm. and you see yourself and you move your arms around, you, you pop the bubbles and they had lots of little mini games like that. I actually know someone who used to work on that project. Wow. And um, uh, he had done a lot of mocap stuff, motion capture stuff mm-hmm. as well. So, uh, but that was just kind of, um, that was kind of like the, the very, the beta version, if you will, of some of the control systems we're starting to come out now. Now, you said you had looked into some of the other stuff Sony had done. Well, yeah, because, is doing? Um, because, you know, it was just last summer. Uh, and it, it makes them look late to the game, but I don't really think that they were. I think that they were actually sort of um, investigating it and doing R&D on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but last summer, Sony announced um, that they were going to come out with a wand-type controller. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I believe their uh, <laughs> unfortunate timing, their um, press, you know, formal press announcement came the day after Microsoft announced Project Natal, but... Um, Sony actually announced this wand style controller. It's got, um, it looks kind of strange. It really does look like a wand because it's got a glowing ball on the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, also it, grants wishes. Maybe, maybe not. Depends on the game. Mm. Uh, but no, it, it actually works in conjunction with the PlayStation Eye. And, uh, by the accounts I've read about it, uh, this particular controller is extremely precise. Um, and, uh, especially for things like fighting games could be really, uh, you know, could out Wii the Wii as far as the, uh, you know, how precise the controller is and how, you, how well you can capture the motion yeah, even with the when you're interacting with the game. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, uh, the, the articles I were, I was checking out were, uh, immediately following that in pre Wii Motion Plus. So, I mean, I haven't seen any, uh, you know, hard evidence of, of either. Of course, the, uh, the wand controller, the new, um, motion controller for the PlayStation 3 isn't due out until next year, but... Well, you, um, you know what kind of game I'm going to want for that, right? Yeah, what what type of game would oh, that come be? Come on, you got to know this. You're going to say something involving a lightsaber, I'm Yes, sure. I want a lightsaber game that's awesome! I'm, I'm guessing that LucasArts will be happy to help you out with that. I should hope so, because he still owes me for episodes 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> I'm but, holding uh, him personally responsible. Yeah. On behalf of true Star Wars fans everywhere... Yeah. As long as I get the payoff, okay, I'm happy to bear that burden. Yeah, but the uh, but the Wii doesn't actually have a camera. You know, it does have a you know infrared, and it has right, right. the, it has the accelerometers, and it can tell what's going on. Um, but the uh, the PlayStation does has the combination of the PlayStation Eye and this wand controller, so you should be able to be right. somewhat more immersive. So the camera is able um, to track the motions of the wand. The yeah. wand itself has its own accelerometers and everything in it. So, so it should be pretty cool. I'd, yeah. like to, I'd like to have a chance to uh, to mess with it. Of course. Again, that's very different from what Microsoft is proposing with yeah. Project Natal, and Natal I think is, that is, really took off again because the popularity of, you know, the Wii. Of now, course, they were kind of dismissive of it at first. Oh, this is just a toy, but you know, it, it proved out that people actually like to game that way. Yeah, and and the thing about Natal is that kind of took everyone by surprise at yeah. E3 this past year. Yeah. Um, I was at E3 when they announced it. I was not at the uh, the press conference where they unveiled it. I actually arrived too late to attend that that press conference. But that was all I was hearing on the show floor that first day was about Project Natal. And at the time, I had no idea what it was. Uh, I I sadly was not one of the lucky individuals grabbed off the showroom floor to be dragged into Microsoft's demo room, kicking and screaming to be given a, a full demo of Project <laughs> Natal. Yeah. 
I've seen the videos of people who were. And actually, they weren't kicking and screaming. Now, most of the time, a, a, a rather nondescript person would just come up and say, hey, do you want to see this cool thing we've got working at Microsoft? And uh, if they didn't immediately get a creepy vibe, they'd say, sure. You know, they weren't using Steve Ballmer. If they had been using Steve Ballmer, you just would have heard cries and screams of of, of fear as, as fires <laughs> broke out across the showroom floor. Right. But um, they, they used someone with a little better uh, – you know, a little gentler approach. And, uh, and so people yep. went up and they checked it out. And the thing about Project Natal is it's considered, it's kind of a controllerless system. You don't hold a wand. You don't hold any kind of remote control. Yeah. Uh, you, you control the game with various motions of your body. And that, you know, the, the, the it's first one. Watching ones, you. Yeah. The first version of this I saw. Uh, involved a game where um, all you were doing is swatting uh, balls being thrown at you back at the the far end of the the game board, the room. So right. it's like dodgeballs being thrown at you, and you just you know you're swatting them out of the air and knocking them back to where they from where they came from, and um, to where they came from. Mm-hmm. And so you're just you know you're using your whole body. You're jumping back and forth. You're kicking. You're you're swatting your hands. You look like a crazy person in the middle of this room. If you were standing on the same side of the room as the television, you'd think this person's having a fit. If you were standing behind the person and seeing the television, you'd think, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. He or she is blocking all of these digital objects using their own body. And depending on where you stood, like if you stood closer, you'd be a larger presence. If you stood further away, you'd be a smaller presence. Like it could detect the distance right. that you were at uh, from the uh, from the actual screen. Yeah, so, depth perception. Yeah, it wasn't just left, right, up, and down. It also could perceive depth. Um, kind of a it's kind of a neat little radar kind of system. Although it's not uh-huh. actually using radar. No, um, but but, it's, it, it's but it can recognize your face. Yes, it can recognize your face. Um, you can so it, theoretically you could have a family of people who all have profiles on Project Natal and the game would recognize who was going to be playing the game and could set things like even difficulty settings. Let's say little Billy is awesome at uh, this boxing game on um, the Xbox 360 that uses Project Natal and dad thinks he's a great boxer, but he's a glass Joe. So they Mm. can't play on the same level because if they did, dad would be knocked unconscious within 30 seconds. So when dad gets out there to play this game, the game says, Ooh, let's just turn this to noob and uh, dad will have a fighting chance. Right. So, that's that's kind of the idea here. And uh, the neat thing about it is not just that, you you know, like I was saying, the first games I saw, you could do things like you're blocking dodgeballs coming at you. But they also had a racing game. And mm. in the racing game, you sat down and it could still recognize that you were there. You put your hands out as if you were grasping a uh, steering wheel and you'd put your foot out to indicate you're stepping on the gas. And this you could race and, you know, you turn your hands as if you're turning the steering wheel and your car turns. That's impressive. You can actually control without holding a controller. Yeah, it's pretty neat to look at. It's really innovative. Is it going to take off? I don't know. I mean, it, part of it is just that we've kind of grown accustomed to using controllers. And it seems odd to try and control a game just through gestures, right? Well, you know what? That's actually one of the things that the Sony uh, engineers said. They said, you know, hey, this Natal thing is really cool, we admit, but um, actually, I don't know that they said that. But they did say, okay, this is Natal. It is, you know, you don't use any controller at all. We believe that people want controllers. We, you know, 
from what we've done, it's we have of, learned that people want to hold a controller. This is why we came out with the wand. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it's the same thing if you were playing, say, a fencing game. Let's say yeah. you're playing a fencing game using uh, either the Sony wand system or Project Natal. Right. It might feel more natural that with the wand, because you actually have an object in your hand, it's sure. easier for you to visualize where the point's going to go. You tilt your wrist up or down and you, you control the point. It's very precise. With Natal, even if it's very good at detecting, you know, how your hand, how you're holding your hand, it's going to seem weird. You're going to have to judge based upon what you see on the screen. Like, Ooh, I guess I'm tilting my, my wrist up a little higher than I thought I was. I better tilt it down. Uh, it's not going to necessarily translate as well. Cause you don't have something physical in your hand that you can, you know, right. Equate with what's on the screen. Right. So I think that maybe we will eventually move there. The question I have is whether or not project Natal is ahead of its time. Um, maybe we need that evolutionary step that the Wiimote and the Sony wand are providing before we can go to complete gesture control. Well, here's um, here's what I'm thinking. I think, number one, it's kind of funny that something that, you know, the, the current generation of consoles, one of the reasons Nintendo was sort of counted out at the beginning was Sony and Microsoft were competing with one another to deliver the, the crispest graphics and, you know, high def and surround sound experience. You know, the hardcore gamers really wanted this immersive experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that the success of the Wii style gameplay, now I think the next generation of consoles is going to be about the controllers. Because, I, I mean, we're, you know, the, the, the machines themselves graphically are matching the state of the art in televisions. I mean, they're not, they can play on high definition systems, although the Wii is behind in that step. Yeah. Um, but I think, that the that we finally gotten to you know let's go Shakespeare here the play's the thing it's a different play the conscience of the king yes yeah well it's a different play but still I mean my I think that the gameplay postulate what Majesty should be what duty is why day is day night night and time is time we're to nothing but to waste night day and time are you done well it's Polonius he doesn't get done for another page and a well, half I know I know All but right, no, uh, no but it. the gameplay is is the uh, the experience of the gameplay is where it's at right now. Mm -hmm. And I think all three of these manufacturers, I think the next console is going to be about gameplay. Now, the trick is, uh, you know, is Project Natal going to give you the same amount of fine control that Wii Motion Plus and the Sony PlayStation wand, 3 yeah. wand controller it's, have? It's hard to say because so little has been seen of it. Yeah. So we don't know that answer. Uh, see, here's here's the problem I see with that that premise. Mm -hmm. Not that you're wrong. I don't, I'm not going to say that you're wrong because you, well, I, I think I think you're right. I but, have no idea, but I'm but guessing. <laughs> I think I think that the gameplay, I think Nintendo's approach to gameplay proves that that is enough to attract people to your console. Uh -huh. It is not necessarily enough to keep people on your console. For that, you yeah. need the really good software. Uh -huh. I think if Nintendo had really, really, like if they had managed to keep up on the same level as the PS3 and the Xbox 360 with the games, mm -hmm. if their game library were as strong as the uh, the other two, then maybe we would be able to make an easier conclusion. Because mm -hmm. then we could say for sure whether or not Nintendo was winning based mainly upon its control system along with the game library. It's not on equal footing, though, because its game library is lacking. It's hard to say what's more important. Is it more important that you go and create this kind of system that caters to the hardcore gamer, or is it more important that you control create a, a control system that is as inclusive as possible? That's the thing that was brilliant about the Wii, was that its control system was so easy to pick up that, you know, you have senior citizens who are playing 
the Wii games. You, you know, you didn't necessarily hear about folks over at the senior citizen home breaking out the Xbox 360 for a little Call of Duty. No. I mean, no. You know, for one thing, that airport level would probably freak them out. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe not all of them. And probably some of them, some of them were in the original version right. of Call of Duty, which was called World War II. Well, yeah. Well, the the current ones I'm talking about are Modern Warfare. Oh, right, right, right. Where it's yeah, all the, the small squad stuff. Right, right. Um, sorry. But no, no, no. I, yes. Yeah, I've been there. Getting back to. I remember yeah. this. Right. Like this game is, this game is giving me flashbacks. Yeah. Um, I get that every time I play Sonic. Anyway, so I had a hedgehog problem when I was younger. I'll go into it in another podcast. The, uh, but, but yeah, because the game, because it doesn't have the library, it's hard to say is the, the user interface enough to, to attract and keep people with yeah. your console. Um, but I think once we see the wand and Natal come out, if those systems not only are successful, but people develop really good games to go along with those systems. Yeah, take advantage of the capabilities. Right. Then maybe we will yeah. actually see an evolution, a true evolution of the, the video game console system. Because really, I know you can always go, you know, higher definition and faster processors. I mean, there's always that, uh, that place, but eventually you're going to hit a, hit a, a law of diminishing returns mm-hmm. where, yeah, the improvement is there, but is that enough for people to say, this is a game system worth owning because, uh, look, this helmet looks 12% more realistic than it did on the old system. Yeah. Well, on the next generation of consoles, I'm, I can, I could guess that, uh, what's going to succeed is a combination of, you know, high end capabilities plus an awesome control system plus the library games. But I hope that all three of them make it through. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're, the competition is obviously doing all three of them good, and those of us who buy the consoles as well, because we and have the opportunity to play these really cool games. We should also point out that uh, some people have suggested that things like the Sony Wand and Project Natal, uh, the real reason that they're coming out, um, I'm not necessarily saying this, but this has been said, right, the, but the real reason this? they're coming out is just to extend the life of both of those consoles. Um so that, you know, cause people have talked about the PS3 was supposedly having a, a 10 year lifespan. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, the PS2, there's still games coming out for that. So, I mean, sure. that's, it's completely believable. Uh, so that people have, some people have suggested that these, these new systems are really just a way to kill time, uh, before they have to come out with whatever the next, you know, mind blowing video game system will be, whether it's the PS4 and Xbox 720 or whatever. They're going to be, uh, if they're anything like the current generation, they're going to be extremely expensive to develop and manufacture the first ones. So right, but they're always they're probably putting leaders. that off. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, if you, you always want to try and, and get the most out of whatever hardware you're putting out as possible. And, sure. I mean, come on. Microsoft, they still need to make an Xbox 360 that doesn't break. Ouch. Dude, like when your breaking rate reaches close to 50%, you have got a serious problem. Yeah, I understand. I am an Xbox fanboy, okay? I make no apologies for it. But man, that red ring of death stuff, that yeah. is out of control. No, that was serious. Yeah. So um, I, I don't want to get into a long thing here because we probably need to wrap this up. But I'm also interested to see what this means for PC gaming. I mean, obviously, well, that's a different audience, but I wonder if any of this is going to make it over to the computer. And well, another thing well. that we should mention is that Microsoft has has said that they hope to include gesture controls within Windows operating systems. So not oh. just games, but also other applications. So this could actually make it over into, say, Office 
So, or, well, you think well, about okay, it, like, not, but. you know, it's like, like Minority Report. Sure. You know, yeah. you, you move your hands around and you can, you know, think about. We've it, got the surface. Yeah, exactly. You've got, think of a, you know, just say you have like a, a, a wall of photos and you flick your hand around and you scatter the photos mm-hmm. around or you mm-hmm. pick a specific one, you gesture and it expands. Very much the same sort of thing as multi-touch on screens like the iPhone or whatever, except that you are no longer even making contact with the screen. Yeah. You're just making gestures and that is executing commands and to think it, it uh you know the popularity may have its roots you know or basically introdu- introduced to the public from video games right you know it's pretty cool it is very cool i mean video games have spawned a lot of other sure things as well but we can we'll have to do a podcast a full podcast just on the technologies that video games have uh, helped uh push along like That'd virtual reality is the number one that i can think of uh, okay. augmented reality is way up there too all right well um let's wrap this up uh, I guess what we can do is we can do another tiny little uh, listener mail. This listener mail comes from Loop. Loop says, hey, on the Mr. Fusion thing, the car's flight was powered by the Mr. Fusion and it was electrical. The lightning at the end of part two damaged it. It was in Doc's letter. Also, that thing you spoke of about seeing information about people and their company and online conversations in the Office of the Future, well, it was predicted in Back to the Future 2. Remember when Marty was talking to Needles and later his boss on the TV in the den? It showed the name of the person, stuff about them and their favorite color and food and stock quotes from their company. Also, be careful using that Wayback Machine as Peabody stated the time machine was too tricky, but when he built the Wayback, it was could have been machine and it showed what happened only in a different little slant. On the Newton MP100, I have two and still use one regularly. And yes, the handwriting recognition can be bad, really bad. I'll give you that. But the Newton OS was designed to recognize normal print and normal cursive writing. Your regular alphabet you have been taught since kindergarten. Whereas the Palm used graffiti, which is a proprietary alphabet that you have to teach yourself to write so it can understand you. So you have to put that into perspective. On the Tech April Fool's gags, IGN made a trailer for Legend of Zelda and released it on April 1st a couple of years ago, and it had fools, folks believing it. Also, hello, Loop. That Loop, you are a, a wordy person. <laughs> you also have a really interesting tone. I don't know how that came through. I, yeah. was, um, I, I don't know where I, I, that came from. That was I've never heard that. You know tone. what? I think I might have actually been channeling a little of Molly Wood there, although really? she does an amazing nerd voice. Um, and Loop, I don't mean to suggest you're a nerd. I'm a nerd. I just, as I was reading it, I was like, this is how I would say it if I were saying the things you were saying. Also, you're right. <laughs> so uh, part of me gets all snotty because you're correct. And I was wrong. And I made the statement about gasoline powering the flight of the car. And you were right. And Chris was right. And I was wrong. Ha, ha, ha. Gosh, to think that I got something wrong about a movie about a about time travel that if you actually examine it for more than two seconds completely falls apart. I feel really <laughs> terrible about myself. All right, guys. Well, if you have any other uh, emails that you want to, you know, send us so that I can feel badly about myself, um, well, our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Remember, we have a live show every Tuesday, 1 p.m., Tech Stuff Live. You can find that at the blogs at howstuffworks.com. Just look on the right side. You'll see the links there. Um, lots of interesting stuff on the blogs. It's not just uh, me and Chris. We have tons of writers here at How Stuff Works and editors uh, contributing to that blog, including a brand new fan stuff contributor. 
Yep, Chanel. She is awesome. You guys are going to love her stuff. If you like uh, genre type stuff like science fiction, fantasy, horror, those kind of things, uh, I guarantee you she's got some interesting perspectives on that on that stuff. And she's a big fan. So uh, yeah. check it out. We will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.